Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. I am back. Oh, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me now? All right. Yeah, you came in real crunchy there at the beginning, but hey, welcome That's home. That, yeah, well, yeah. Whatever the uh, the issue, it's the same mic I've been using, but uh, yeah. So, so whatever issue we, we with Streamyard and this blue microphone. Uh, that JB talked about, we, we you know, just that, yeah. that's the fix. Um, yeah, sorry, had a little bump in the road. Uh, the good news is, is uh, when I was in the hospital, they gave me something for the vertigo at work, and they prescribed me something else, and it did not as consistent as I would have liked. And so, uh, so now I'm back <laughs> after going actually, I'm, here, I'm getting the right thing right. Let's boot you out right quick, JC, just because it's still coming in kind of crazy. But uh, okay, try to click the link and come back in. Uh, yep, yep, yep. All right. We're going to get rid of JC for a second. Hopefully his mic will come back after we get a link sent back to him. But glad to have him back nonetheless. Happy to see all of y'all in here this morning as well. Spencer Rattler returns. Juice returns. Our cups runneth over, as I put in the show description today. So that's right. Now, Trevor, yeah, the Phil show, the Phil show. It did happen. See, my dreams have come true. <laughs> how, how, how am I now? Still a little bit crispy. <sighs> All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to unplug this mic. All right, unplug the mic, plug it back in, either that or could just try to use the one on the laptop, but either way, or yes, I am very sinister, board online, board offline. Speak sign language, I love it. We're going to turn it into a podcast. All these visual hand gestures are great. <laughs> Come on in. Technical difficulties. Hey, yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm just using the mic on the, on the webcam here. And that may be That's all right. Issue yeah, too, let me see as if long I can. I'm coming uh, in loud and clear. I can uh, make you Jay- louder. All right, cool. Yeah, there you are. JC Sherbert, Phil Molinax here inside the game guys, the show. Sorry for the delay. Sorry for the uh, abrupt <coughs> absence, but uh, 
I think I'm on the right track now uh, medically. I, I don't understand why uh, if something worked in the hospital, they didn't prescribe that to me for, you know, to get better at home. Uh, but, uh, apparently, <laughs> you know, that they didn't, but, uh, had to wait for my daughter to get back in town from Egypt and, and some other places. And, uh, you know, thankfully that's done. So we're here, uh, on a Wednesday, Chris Phillips coming up JB again, uh, in the third hour. Uh, don't forget, I'll be on the Spurs up show at one fifteen today to talk with Chris. But, Phil, a big day yesterday for the University of South Carolina. No uh, doubt. Uh, so, some not-so-big surprises, but then – or not-so-big surprises. I think once Juice Wells announced he was coming back, I felt really confident about Spencer Rattler returning uh, to South Carolina. I'll tell you this right now. We talk about NIL a lot on this show and how mm-hmm. Carolina's behind. Well, I let, let's just say I think Carolina stepped up with these guys. Um you know, and, and, and that's just kind of what's going to be in college sports uh, from now on. But uh, Spencer Rattler is coming back. I think that's huge. Uh, I think he returns as one of the top quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference next year based on how he finished last year. If he can keep up his play. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I don't think he's, it's realistic to say he's going to go 30 for 37 like he did against Tennessee every single game. Um but I, 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 there was something different about his last three games. Even with the tough second half against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, uh, I thought he really, you know, settled in, took it to the next level, whatever you want to say. Obviously, the simplified offense helped. Um, but uh, I think anytime you get a quarterback like that that comes back, expectations are going to be raised. Same with Juice Wells. I, you know, with, with Juice Wells, I think maybe my opinion of him is a little bit higher than what the NFL draft people think right now. Of course, it's a pretty good year at wide receiver for the draft. Uh, but I think they, they both those guys can play the way in the first round, Phil. I'm not predicting that necessarily. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think coming back as far as their draft status um, is, is uh, the right thing to do at this point. And frankly, I'm a little surprised about Juice not getting a higher grade because I think if you wanted him to come back to South Carolina, that was probably the big concern is, man, he just may be too good. Right. He may be yeah. too good. Um, I wonder if that reflects any of the, you know, the other receivers that are going into the draft this year, JC, and just maybe it's, it's not necessarily him. It's just him as compared to, you know, everyone else. Well, that's a lot of it, Phil. I mean, that, that's it's that way in recruiting rankings, too. I mean, there's some years where you – I mean, uh, Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence kind of went back and forth the year they were seniors as the number one player in the country – uh, and there are some years where either one of those guys, where they had dropped into another class, they would have been easily number one, uh, not just a quarterback, but overall player. So that kind of happens. Yeah, that happens. I, I remember the year Leonard Fournette uh, was a senior. That that also had Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Royce Freeman, uh, a lot of really good running backs. Sony Michelle was in that class. Uh, so. Any one of those five guys would have been the number one running back uh, recruit in that class, in another class. So, you know, you kind of got to judge it by year and draft class and all that. And and I think when you look at, you know, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, next year probably sets up a little bit better as far as uh, draft status goes. Uh, And Spencer's got, you know, some performances to have, I think, Uh, just because – it wasn't the best first whatever 10 games for him uh, at South Carolina this year. There were some good ones, but then there were some stinkers. But I don't know that that was all his fault, obviously. 
Um, so, so consistency in play is going to be a big key for him. And, and with Juice, it's just uh, I just it's a matter of usage. Um, at, against Notre Dame, you know, I, I was told he had a pretty pretty tough rib injury. And if you ever crack your ribs, which I have, woo, yeah. shoot, buddy, yeah. uh, that could that could slow you down a little bit. And, and that's what happened against Notre Dame. So I, I think both of those guys coming back is absolutely huge. And then in probably a, a much bigger surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the South Carolina men's basketball team goes on the road for the third time ever wins at Kentucky. I, it's Rocky three. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got the crap beat out of you by Clubber Lang. <laughs> yeah. And then you come back. back. <laughs> I'm gonna get up off the map, yo, Adrian. We're gonna be Kentucky, uh, but certainly, uh, you, you know, happy for the guys on on the team. Happy for G. Jackson after really an atrocious showing against Tennessee. Uh, and and I'll say this about Rick Barnes and Tennessee because uh, we hadn't talked about it yet. When you when you have a team that's sort of inexperienced, that's really green like Carolina is, hasn't played together. Uh, they hit conference play. You know, they're at home. Uh, even when Tennessee does not have crazy good talent, which they do this year under Rick Barnes, they are tough as crap to play. And we've we've all watched Rick Barnes' teams over the years. Uh, whether you, you, it was a fleeting glance when he was at Texas, or he was at Clemson, Providence, and now the University of Tennessee, they're going to defend you, they're going to guard you, and they're going to do it all 40 minutes. I mean, you want about 40 minutes of hell, that, that's kind of what Tennessee is now. Um, and, and so for a team like that, it's real. what South Carolina has, it's really easy to get blown out like that because you just straight up wilt under that pressure. Uh, and I think the Gamecocks obviously just had a, on top of having a terrible game, it was hard to handle that, pre- hard to handle them on defense. Gamecocks just couldn't do it anyway. Well, Kentucky apparently does not want to play on either end of the court right now. <laughs> um, it's a bad two-game stretch for them. I'm glad we're ooh, a part of it. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've never seen a Kentucky team because I, I was like, I didn't even turn the game on, Phil, because I was, uh, I had to adjust to the medication yesterday, and so I spent a lot of the day lounging and reading articles and napping and things like that. Um, so I turned it on, you know, uh, and I, I hesitated because, you know, I knew what was going to happen. I was like, the minute I turn it on, Kentucky's going to go on like a 23 nothing run. And, and, and going to come back and win. Um, but it didn't happen. I'm glad I turned on the last 10 minutes. The Gamecocks were resilient. Lamont Paris, I thought, coached one of his best games. And now you look at it, and and I think sometimes you can accept a losing season. I'm not saying they'll have a losing season or a winning season or, or whatever. I'm certainly not predicting a run to the tournament right now. But when you first your situation and you, you got some things to kind of build on, uh, you, you want to, in other words, you want to take it when you can. Right. And this team, you know, obviously there's been some ugly losses. The East Carolina loss comes to mind in Greenville. My God. Uh, the 19-point the loss to uh, to who? Uh, Furman and Charleston. Yeah, All those games in Charleston were ugly. Um, and, and those of you that are trying to follow along on Twitter, I know we're having some technical difficulties right now, but it's all good. JB just informed me of that. Uh, but uh, – so, you know, I know there's been some ugly losses, but, you know, it's kind of nice to beat Clemson. And, by the way, Clemson's become a pretty daggum good basketball team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then anytime you compete in the Southeastern Conference in this sport, 
and you can beat Kentucky at Rupp, you take it without question. It's special every time you went up there. I don't care who you are, if you play in the SEC, where how your season's going, a win at Rupp Arena is extremely special. So hats off to Lamont Paris. Texas A&M comes to town next. Um, I think maybe the hope is like a win like that. Maybe the crowd gets a little better because uh, I think that interest in this team was quickly quickly dissipating <laughs> after after the Tennessee game. And, and rightfully so. I mean, nobody wants to see their team get their butt kicked. But, uh, no, and another blowout would have been probably the death uh, knell, you know. <laughs> but Big Kentucky is certainly something. I've missed the, I've missed the Nana Sports chat box. Uh, the award-winning Nana Sports, by the way. Um, Saunders says, morning, Jits. Uh, Jerry says, good morning. Love all the opening with the bagpipes. Austin's like, what's going on? The thing with the bagpipe music, man, uh, we have to wait 30 days from when we first did it because YouTube keeps flagging it. I downloaded it from a duty-free, free music. You can use this on your podcast website, and I keep telling them that. But apparently it's all automated. So, oh, yeah. I'm glad to know y'all yeah. heard it because I, I thought I made it to where you couldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, good. We can still hear it doing it that way. That's good to know. I'll fix it. <laughs> Tiffany's glad to see JC's back. I'm back. Glad too. So is Craiger. Jafaller is Kentucky firing Calipari. Well, I looked at that buyout, man. And even for, you know, big blue bourbon money up there, mm-hmm. 48 million is the buyout. Uh, who would they get? To re- who's Kentucky going to get this better than John Calipari? Um, I I do think he loses games he shouldn't. If there's a bugaboo in his career, even going back to Memphis, when I thought Memphis, I was like, Memphis played Kansas in the final. I thought Memphis had the better team by a good bit. And uh, no dice. Um, So they do lose that that undefeated team that lost to Wisconsin in the final four. So I think if there's a bugaboo in him, like, unlike Rick Pitino, who would lose every now and again, uh, Calipari does have a habit of, like, losing to teams that, like St. Mary's, or St. Peter's, sorry, the Peacocks last year. All that. Jared says, I don't believe Kentucky ever took the lead. Hopefully it's a confidence builder. Absolutely. Chuck says, morning all, great day for the Gamecocks, Gamecock Nation. Sean's got a good question here. What's up with Xavier Hardy? Is he coming or do we pass? The grades or the arrest or both? I am um, – I'm going to need to check on that because I keep getting asked about it. I know Tony said no on our message board, and I'll, I'll defer to him right now. But I need to double-check on that because I think there could be some confusion uh, with that kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiffany's happy I'm back. Uh, Saunders said, JKA, JC, a.k.a. Mr. Roboto. Yeah, was it coming through like, nah, nah. It was. <laughs> Indeed. Craiger says, need a Jeff Coat and Caldwell. Welcome home next, I think. Uh at least one of those two is a strong possibility. And we do have uh, the, is... uh, an unannounced welcome home still from the other yes. evening. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I have an idea as to who that is. Uh, Adam says JC needs auto tune. Uh, happy Happy mm-hmm. says JC, your mic or earphone sucks. No offense intended. Yeah. The Phil Mullinax show. Here we go. Um, <laughs> I'm using. I'm not using the Bluetooth version of the mic. I'm using. Um, I'm using a USB on the mic. My headphones are Bluetooth. And the headphones have a mic in them because they're gaming headphones. Mm. And so I think maybe that may be the issue. Um, so I don't know. Adam says that was epic, Harrison. Oh, the Wolf of Wall Street intro. I'm not leaving. 
I'm not leaving. I'm not having even. <laughs> I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the history yeah. of cinema. You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, we were at my mom's house last night. Loved it. I was sitting there. The phone buzzed with a Twitter alert. I pulled it up. But Spencer Rattler with a video. I was like, oh, this. let's check this out. <laughs> yeah. And it was Wife good. and I like, are out there. Yes. <laughs> Juice's video was great, too. Yeah, I love the Pouring on the juice. Uh, the men's team is like a box of chocolates. You never know who you're going to get. Uh, Erding Irie says, I think of beauty watching those threes rain down. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to say this. This is probably a Captain Obvious statement. Hi-ho, I'm Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Not the stupid Captain Obvious on, was it Travelocity commercials? That's terrible. No, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. Look, it's Captain Obvious order. needs to be a little bit more, you know, overstated than understated like they try to do it. But anyway, oh, Captain Obvious. Uh, when Michi Johnson is on and playing well, this team can compete. When this team, when he's not, <laughs> because Michi helps Gigi and helps the rest of the guys, you know. And um, I think, Probable yeah, if you just have one star, it's one dimensional. It's too easy to you know stop that. Yeah. Uh, any updates on Bennett potentially joining the team? Are we talking about Mazio Bennett? Uh, he's a twenty twenty four kid. Um, or is there somebody else? Uh, Adam says, I think UK and Cal missed on some evaluations, but I also don't think UK is, a, is appealing as Kentucky, or I'm sorry, North Carolina, Duke, or Kansas. More parity in college basketball these days. Yeah, and in college basketball, too, in the tournament specifically, uh, it's pretty much known older teams do better. And Kentucky is perpetually young, although they did have some returners this year. Uh, they may be like, and I've used this example before, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas won it all, and then they had everybody back. That was kind of before the NBA, everybody was going to the draft, right? So they had Corliss Williamson, I think Scotty Thurman. And they piddled around all year and were like a sixth seed. Next thing you know, they're all the way in the finals playing UCLA. So that, that may be kind of, kind of like North Carolina last year was, what, an eight, nine seed? But you almost didn't get in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Jesse says Mazio. Sorry, I didn't realize he's 2024. Uh, Quantrell says, saw Mazio had a visit scheduled to FSU in the coming weeks. Great. Reason for concern. Last I checked, FSU, I don't know that he's up near the top of their board. But I can't I can't see that. I, I don't know that FSU needs to be this team South Carolina fears in recruiting. I think they have taken some guys from South Carolina out of the portal. But, um I don't think that they're poaching people or recruits. Now, recruiting against them down in Florida, it's going to be difficult because, you know, Florida kids and all that. Um, Jared said, would Kentucky hire Chris Beard or is he off limits? I would think he would be off limits right now because of the domestic violence. Um, Ed has a good question, too. Any chance Rattler's return helps us pick up a receiver via the portal? Possibly. Possibly. I saw uh, Brad Crawford had a headline on one of his articles. I didn't get a chance to read it because I saw it right before the show. But uh, yeah, that potentially there could be a couple names in the portal that pop up and would potentially head over this way. Mm-hmm. So we'll see about that. I I would think it's more likely than not that they'll get another receiver in the portal. You know, and, and, and who knows? 
Uh, and read into right. it what you will, but uh, Nick Harbour commented on Spencer's video with the eyeball I emojis. Know. And yeah, I'm like, oh, all right, Nick, all right. <laughs> we see that? you. All right. So let's hit our first break. Chris is coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll be back with a short segment, then we'll get Chris here on the other side. Inside the game, guys, the show, the return of JC. Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, and return of a pulse with the Gamecock men's basketball team. We'll be back after this. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Gamecock Nation, do you need a place to stay for the big game? Many hotel booking engines keep all the commissions, but at Fan Plans, you support inside the Gamecocks, still earn your hotel loyalty points, and you receive an email with direct confirmation from the hotel. Whether you are visiting Columbia to cheer on Carolina or hitting the road to follow the team, get in the stands with Fan Plans. This is Coach O. Now back to the show. Go Tigers. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. The show is presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John Barber a call, 803-446-4662, to set up a no-obligation consultation to talk about a potential backyard retreat for your home or potentially even enclosing a patio or a porch for you so that you can enjoy the summer sun. And the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfalls and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Cindy would be happy to help you out with all your upstate residential real estate needs. 864-414-5271. All right. So thanks to, to both of our sponsors. Uh, Nana's Forge chat box has a good question here from Seth. Uh, Phil, he says, JC, what side of the ball do they see Vakari Swain playing? Seems to be an edgy physical player paired with Torian Gray's coaching. He could be a lead option in the secondary. I, I think so. I mean, they if you look at the class, so Judge Collier could potentially be like a bigger corner. Yeah. Uh, but but the other two guys, I think Kilgore and Sandy are definitely safeties. Um, I say definitely, but I mean, these guys, <laughs> these guys will switch it up on you. You know, the, the secondary, uh, I'm saying Gray and Clayton White will do that. And it ends up working out, you know, because <laughs> I I could have sworn with, with their issues at safety this year, Anthony Rose would have been back there, but no, 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 starting starting a corner. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, uh, right, the staff sees uh, Corey playing defense. That's their preference. If he wanted to have a chance on offense, I'm sure that they would uh, – let him, but uh, man, I, I think um, you know. I, I think you're right. A, a very fast, physical player from Carrollton, Georgia. Always had a lot. I've always had a lot of respect for that program uh, yeah. over in Carrollton. Uh, and the Gamecocks finally landed two guys from that part of Georgia: uh, Swain and uh, Villa Rica's own Jatavia Shivers. So uh, yeah. that, that little part out out I twenty. That's Cedar Town and stuffs out that way too. And that's where. 
Nick Chubb came from. But uh, Gangbangs hadn't had a whole lot of luck in that part of Georgia, but they did now, so that's good. Um, so I, uh, Bruin Nation asked about Xavier Hardy. I, I, let me check. I'll have an answer for you in 24 hours. Um, and, and, and we can see uh, – see that Quantrell talks about Florida State here he's like if there's one team I want Carolina's to get guys to go to it's FSU that means the demise of that team in the upstate it it, it is it does not bode well for our friends up here <laughs> that Florida State is back on the rise and the other side of that mm-hmm. Quantrell I fully agree is uh, um, it also means that Florida is going to have to start competing harder for recruits locally which is a good thing for us as well yeah, yeah, I got that uh, for sure. And so FSU being good uh, in a weird way helps Carolina. So um, now South Carolina does not need to become the farm team for the Florida State Seminoles. No. Don't get me wrong. but uh, Nor should they. But uh, them being down has helped Clemson and, and, and even even programs like North Carolina tremendously. Um, and Florida, for that matter. Um, Sean says, if we were to get Pringle and Watson and Franks, uh, it's Franks' take uh, that all three project as OT. Yeah. Uh, you don't turn down guys that don't line offensive line, even even if they're slotted at different spots. I'm not so sure Blake Franks couldn't play guard. But all that said, Krager points out, Con is probably not getting Franks. I think he's going to Clemson. I, I, think, uh, I think South Carolina's given some things to think about. Uh, but I still would lean toward Clemson because Clint points out he's not lock. So there you go uh, with that. So that's um, that's the deal there. So I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think the Gamecocks are going to get Franks. I think uh, I think Clemson's in good shape there now. Pringle and Thompson, folks, it can be done and it can be done quickly. <laughs> we could be sitting here sitting here in March and uh, South Carolina's got a top five recruiting class for twenty twenty four. Uh, with with in-state kids, which is uh, a great thing. Uh, I know you call the Carolinas D-line heaven, but it seems like the Carolinas is having a decent run of quality O-linemen in the state. Yeah, South Carolina especially as a state. North Carolina's always had, you know, they'll have a DJ Humphreys every now and then or Xavier Nixon, you know, over the years. Um, Trying to remember, North Carolina. Oh, Corey Robinson was a two-star with one offer. Uh, he's from Havelock, North Carolina, and he started for the Gamecocks. But, uh, yeah, South Carolina really uh, – in Quantrill, what's interesting is if you look back through all the players from South Carolina that signed with South Carolina, there's a, there's an interesting kind of um, abnormal-looking uh, trend where a, a lot of those kids ended up in the NFL, and, and it wasn't just – you know, your highly rated guys. Brandon Shell and A.J. Can obviously ended up in the NFL, but T.J. Johnson ended up in the NFL. Um, a lot of hits from the state on the offensive line uh, over the years. Uh, and so that's the deal there. Uh, one more question. Craiger says, who gave the most to Rattler and Juice NIL deals? Uh, wasn't Carolina Rice. But – Boogie Huntley, Tyshawn Wanamaker, and Jalen Nichols all got deals for Carolina Rise. This is the last time we talked. Um, you know, Jalen – oh, uh, Chris Chris Payne uh, points out, and that's true. I don't know how this slipped my mind. Eric Douglas, Jalen Nichols, John Gwynn, all from Charlotte, North Carolina, on the O-line for the Gamecocks. Um, 
WGM4 says any word of Corral Dawkins is coming back next season. That last I heard, he was. Uh, he's got to he's got to improve and he's got to get healthy. So, so there's that. All right, Chris Phillips, high energy. Uh, he's on Wednesday this week because he's got something to do tomorrow, and I'm on there when, on Wednesday this week. So we always let a little trade off, and Chris will join us after these messages right here on the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatt. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of REMAX at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at REMAX.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at REMAX.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? This is Fresh and All-American, Nicky Warrior of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. Presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John Barber a call or shoot him an email, 803-446-4662, or J, uh, Bo- is John B, isn't it? John B at sun- expresssunrooms.com. John uh, B. John B. And, of course, don't forget Cindy Searfoss sponsors the first hour of the show. Give Cindy and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate a call, 864-414-5271. We beat Chris Phillips by just a minute, but he is in here now. I'm going to bring him in, and we will say good morning, Chris. Joining us on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. How you doing, sir? What's up, boys? I'm doing about as well as somebody can be, man. The sun's shining a little bit brighter today after uh, what's been a crazy last 24, 48, 72 hours this entire week, right, with all the big news and an improbable win on the uh, on the hardwood, man, and also enjoying the beautiful weather in uh, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So it's uh, I've had worse weeks, guys. I'll tell you, I've had worse weeks. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly worse places to be than Hilton Head. Right. I, I was like, I was like thankful. I said uh, uh, like a prayer of thanks today because it got above forty this morning. Where I'm at, <laughs> yeah, it's so, like sixty-five uh, here, and uh, we're, we're doing oh. the. Uh, we're doing the live show from the cigar lounge, and what a great day to do it! We'll be smoking on the, on the cat pack, the Kentucky's a basketball school pack, the Clemson sucks in Tennessee, your daddy's backpack, 
We're, we got all kinds of reasons to celebrate today, guys. So. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll get to the top. First, you know, Juice Juice Wells uh, mm. in a very interesting video. Like, I don't know what kind of juice that was they were pouring in at the end, but it was it was a little, a little rich, you know, but mm. uh, maybe like some V8 <laughs> or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But certainly, I mean, Chris, I've talked, me and you have talked like this whole year, and I've been on his bandwagon for a long time, and I know you have too, but uh, what what a playmaker and what a valuable yeah. member of the team to be returning next year. Yeah, I was going to say, JC, I feel like you were, you know, you were his biggest fan and supporter, and we were talking about during the middle of the season when the offense was anemic, right? Who's, who's not getting the ball that should be? I know you were screaming juice, juice wells and, I mean, he made you look like a genius the last couple of weeks of the way he played. But, yeah, you know, there was a lot of excitement last year. You know, it's crazy. A couple of days ago, I think it was like a year ago to the date I saw the video I posted, the day he committed, and we all had high hopes and expectations. But, you know, you just sort of wondered, right, the transition from James Madison to the SEC, right, would there be a learning curve or what have you. But, I mean, the dude's a stud, right? He's an athlete. He makes plays. He makes big plays. He gets separation. He gets open downfield. He's a good route runner. Um, he's everything you want in a wide receiver, you know. So I, I'm excited for both he and Spencer Rattler to come back and put a full season together. Uh, I think there's no doubt in anybody's mind that Juice Wells could be a thousand yard receiver easily. Could be a guy that's taken in the first couple rounds of the NFL draft. And you know, I, you, you, what you hope is is for he and Spencer, obviously, but for Juice that those last couple of games was just uh, was just a glimpse of what he's really capable of, right? So. Uh, getting him back's huge. Obviously, I think we all agree the wide receiver room. You still probably need to bolster it through uh, the transfer portal, and you got some young guys you're excited about. But Juice Wells was your number one. It's not even close. So he, he's going to be the go-to guy week in, week out. And ecstatic to have him back. And you know, guys with another with another good year, he could solidify himself as as one of the best wide receivers in school history in a program that South Carolina that's produced so many great pass catchers over the years. Absolutely, and I, and I think he absolutely, uh, if he continues uh, to, to play like he did down the stretch. And I mean, I, I don't know the stats against Notre Dame weren't great, but I mean, the guy did crack a couple of right. ribs from what I've heard when he got shaken up, and that, that's hard. That's hard. To, I mean, that, that's a painful, painful injury. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think he's well on his way uh, to at least being a guy like a Pharaoh Cooper where you look back and say, mm -hmm. man, what a heck of a two years or whatever yep. with him. So the, 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 the big, you know, juice obviously was big, but, and I think once juice happened, the mm -hmm. writing was sort of on the wall. Um, Spencer Rattler coming back now, had you asked me, would this happen uh, at the beginning of the year? I'd say, well, I'd hope not. Cause that meant, yep. the, you know, you hope he just goes out and is one and done and has a great year, but you know, I, I don't necessarily look back at the totality of this past season and say Spencer Rattler was a failure. Uh, he just kind of saved his best for last. The body of work yep. probably wasn't enough to play him above a fourth round pick. Um, he's got, he brought a lot of NIL deals to the table already. So Rattler's right. a Spencer Rattler Inc is thriving, right? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. um, so why not come back? And then, then they got, a, I got announced last night. I, I think Phil or, or somebody told me it was eight oh three when he announced mm. eight oh three. That, that's the area code, man. You know, I was like, put on, put on for the eight oh three. Yeah. All right, you know that makes sense. That would be right about the right time. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought so it was released in eight oh. 
he announced like in the midst of the basketball game. I was like, this is this is a uh, interesting timing, but you know, whatever. Well, they're probably um, like nobody's gonna be watching that by the second <laughs> half anyway. <laughs> <laughs> little, little, oh, well, yeah. Little did we know. No, I mean, it, it, it's huge, man. I mean, obviously, and I, I think when you look, um, I, I was right there with you, JC. You know, it's interesting when we talked about you know because every single year in the preseason, I do position unit previews, and so we break down every position unit and what would spell a successful year for the quarterbacks. And I just simply said, you know, Spencer Rattler being a one and done and becoming the first quarterback drafted for South Carolina since spring of 1990 when Todd Ellis was selected way back when. So, um, but when you look at the way, yeah, when you look at the way the season played out and, you know, like you said, saved his best for last. And, you know, I think Spencer Rattler also just has a lot to prove. You know what I mean? He's not a fifth round guy. He's not a sixth round guy, right? We're talking about a guy that was once thought of as, Maybe he could be the number one overall pick, you know, a no-brainer first-rounder. And I'm sure he still believes that he's capable of that. I'm sure he still believes he's at minimum capable of being a a first- or second-round guy. And, um, you know, I I think, too, you know, let's not forget Dowell Loggins and the factor that I'm sure he had in the sense of, you know, he talked about it when he got hired, but a guy who spent, what, a decade in the NFL, I think he probably provided some great perspective to Spencer Rattler on, hey, this is what the life of a rookie quarterback's like. This is what the life is like as a guy that's going to be drafted where you are. And uh, here's the successes that can come of it. But here's the harsh realities, right, of what you'll be going up against. And when you factor in also, guys, the game changer of NIL, I know we we gripe and, and we complain and we see our some of our guys that have left and have left for maybe some, some bigger bags or bigger NIL deals. This is a situation and scenario where NIL plays out really well for you, right? Because a guy like Spencer Rattler, maybe before NIL exists, Hey, it's not even a thought to come back to school, right? He's going to go on and, and choose the NFL side. But, uh, now to get him back, guys, is huge. You know, J.C., you and I talked about it. It's the difference between South Carolina being a, you know, a fringe bowl team, six or seven maybe win team, and now all of a sudden are the Gamecocks a dark horse to win the SEC East? I think they're certainly a dark horse to win ten games, nine or ten games. I mean, it's possible. There's a potential, right? I mean, off of what we saw those final two games of the regular season. So, you know, I, I think there's bigger and better ahead for Spencer Rattler. I understand his inconsistencies in the 2022 season. Let's not forget. But I think when you couple Spencer's return, Juice's return, and the addition of Dowell Loggins, if he can, if they can stick to what they talked about in his press conference of letting Spencer play, play free, play loose, let his skill set take over, let his talent shine, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic uh, going into another year of Spencer Rattler under center. Oh, yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, too, I think, you know, you hit on it with Dowell Loggins a little bit, Chris, but I think beyond just, you know, offering him, you know, a peek behind the veil as to what life would be like in the NFL for a rookie quarterback, it also, you know, I don't think it can be overstated that now Spencer actually has a direct connection to, you know, sitting offensive coordinators, sitting quarterback coaches in the NFL that they can actually kind of evaluate him and develop relationships yeah. with him as he moves forward um, yeah. into what we hope potentially will be the number one draft pick because that means everybody's doing well. <laughs> yeah, if he's, a, if he's a first rounder, we had a pretty damn good year, boys. I would say no that. Doubt. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, he's got, a, he's got a long way to go in his game, right? Again, he was far from perfect in 2022. I know we we all blame Marcus Satterfield. And I, listen, I think a lot of the issues were that. I think Spencer Rattler, he didn't have much of a chance early on, right, when he – when he looked just as confused as he did and the guy that was moving half speed because he didn't know what was going on. So, uh, but he's got a lot to prove, you know what I mean? He's still got a lot of doubters and, and that's reflected by people saying, Hey, you're a sixth round draft pick. So, you know, I'm excited for him to come back with sort of a chip on his shoulder and he and juice both will be playing for draft position and, 
you know, you're going to have a lot of other guys around them that should feed off that and feast off that. And I wonder now, guys, what is the ripple effect maybe in the transfer portal? Do we see some big-time wide receivers or big-time playmakers out there that say, hey, I want to go play with Spencer Rattler. I know what he's capable of. So it'll be interesting to see. That, that Yeah, and that's a – I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see some more additions uh, out of the yeah. portal. And uh, a lot of there were a lot of folks were kind of waiting on this, right? Uh, and so we'll see what happens moving forward. And yeah, because I'll be in this day on 107.5 uh, with Gunner, I was like, you know, as much attention as uh, play calling and, and type of offense and scheme, that stuff's fun to talk about, right? <laughs> Uh, when you're talking about Dowell Loggins, everybody's freaked out. It's going to be the same thing, what you know, whatever. I think what got lost in that hire a little bit, and I was probably guilty of it as well, uh, was the actual position coach, the quarterback coaching aspect of it, because he's also the quarterback's coach. And you know, you, you run what you run, and I, and I've heard and 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 feel and believe. It's going to be a lot different and, and going to resemble more of a your modern college attack. But that coaching, you know, because you bring in, let's say you did hire Kendall Browse, okay? Kendall Browse never coached to the pros. You know, it's it's 100% a college deal, college system. You know, is that a carrot to bring Spencer Rattler back or not? And, and I think Shane Beamer probably, when he went looking for it, had that in mind. Like, okay, so we want Spencer to come back. We like Dowell Loggins anyway. You know, here's a guy that can help him, and, and we, we hold true to what we told him. We're not just throwing out the whole pro-style thing or the, the pro plan for him. Uh, but we're also going to get a more competent offense in here. And I, and I think that's probably what I and others missed about that hire is uh, the position coaching. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – you know, I thought Brad Crawford, our good buddy, put it beautifully that Spencer Rattler was, you know, in, in the – we talk about recruiting and the transfer portal. And I mean, Spencer Rattler was the biggest get of this signing class, quote unquote. He was the guy you had to bring back, right? So, you know, whatever you had to do to get him, and that's not to say you were going to go hire an offensive coordinator just solely to to bring Rattler back because your OC is a long-term investment versus we know that Spencer Rattler is only going to be here for one more year. But uh, it's a perfect marriage, right? I guess it works out pretty well. And, um, you know, I, I think that what we all want to believe is that Shane Beamer learned from the – the mistakes of the past that maybe happened, you know, again, he's an, he's a, he's a, a, a rookie head coach in his own right. Right. He's learning on the job. He's learning on the go. I talked about that when he was hired, that we're going to have to live with some of the growing pains that come with uh, being a first time head coach. And uh, there's probably some things that, yeah, and you hope that five, six, seven years from now, Shane Beamer's going to look back and say, man, that was such a learning experience. I wouldn't do it that way. I do it this way now. And so that's the that's the hope and the expectation is that on the offensive side with the offensive coordinator, right? They're going to make that adjustment. I, I I don't think it's rocket science of what they need to do in regards to simplify and spread it out and just let Rattler go play. So uh, again, if they stick to everything they said in that press conference when Loggins was hired, I think we're in good shape, and I have no reason to believe that they won't do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm just so excited to watch seven. It's it's uh you know those last two games of the season just re- really gave us a glimpse into what he's capable of and. Uh, I can't wait, I man. If he can put that together for twelve games, twelve regular season games, it's going to be a fun year. No Absolutely, and, and you mentioned the learning curve. I mean, you know, Kirby Smart won his second straight national title Monday night. He's been there since twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirby lost to Vanderbilt at home his first season. Um, had some stinkers of some games. Uh, struggled 
uh, a little bit. And then uh, even in 2019, his third, uh, fourth year, uh, he had James Coley out there dialing up plays, lost it under the Gamecocks um, because, of the, the, you know, it was kind of some trial and error for him too. Uh, and now look, you know, and, and he was a rookie head coach. I think there's always going to be a learning curve. Not everybody's yeah. Bob Stoops that comes in and wins a national championship in his second year <laughs> at Oklahoma, yep. you know, uh, when you do that. So I think you make an excellent point uh, with that regard. All right, so the Gamecocks winning at Kentucky last night, Chris, <laughs> uh, taking nothing away, uh, you know, no, no, no disrespect to the Gamecocks or, or anything right. like that. Um, Kentucky's out of whack right now. Yeah. But I, I think I think when you, when you, you, you still have to go compete, and I think South Carolina last night uh, not only outplayed them, they out-hustled them and out-competed yeah. uh, at Rupp yeah. Arena. I think when you can, when, when you play basketball in this league, in the SEC, any win at Rupp is sweet, yeah. you know, no matter how you get it. I mean, dude, what a, what a job by Lamont Ferris to rally the troops right after most of us wrote them off to be dead for probably the rest of the season. I mean, I, I was talking, could you go winless in SEC play? And I didn't think that was going to happen, but – I certainly didn't see the first SEC win of the season coming at Rupp. You know, I don't care what kind of shape Kentucky's in. It's still Kentucky basketball, and they've still got elite players all over the floor. So uh, all credit goes to that coaching staff, Lamont Paris, for having the guys attack that thing the right way. Michi Johnson, unreal, dude. He's he's just – his range is in the gym. If he's in the gym, he can make it. Uh, Gigi Jackson, I thought, was fantastic, you know, after getting shut out against Tennessee and um, – you know, he, he, he was great on the road for a youngster. And then you've got those other complimentary pieces and like a Hayden Brown that played some big minutes, Jacoby Wright that played some big minutes. But, uh, you know, Kentucky's obviously out of sorts. And it's funny, you say no disrespect, but immediately after the game, they go to the post game. They're like, what's wrong with Kentucky? Like, that was the whole conversation. It wasn't anything about South Carolina. It's just what's wrong with Kentucky. And fair enough, right? It's Kentucky basketball. They're a huge brand. And Calipari might be on the way out of there, but who gives a damn, right? We took advantage. South Carolina did what they had to do. Kentucky knew it was a must win for them. They obviously knew they couldn't lose the Gamecocks. And you go in there as a 19-and-a-half-point underdog and win straight up. And I think, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I feel like we were all kind of waiting on, okay, when's the when's the 15 and nothing Kentucky run coming and this dream is going to get put to bed and just – it never happened. I mean, it was just a gritty win, man. And, again, you can't say enough good things. And, you know, we all obviously understood coming into this year what, what it was for Lamont Paris, a, a building year, truly the definition of a, a rebuild year. You could almost label this as year zero in my opinion. But, uh, you know, to, to pull it out in Rupp and get your first SEC win there, now you come home, you got a three-game home stretch to start Saturday night against Texas A&M. And all of a sudden now Gamecock Nation has more of a reason or has a reason to tune in and say, okay, let me let me – let me, let me see what this basketball team, let me see what Lamont Paris is all about, right? Because I think that's what he's fighting in year one is just keeping people interested. You know, it's one thing to lose and have a tough year, but how you do it, how you win and lose, being gritty, being competitive, uh, it takes no talent to hustle, right? And that team gave great effort last night. And just I, I was happy to see him bounce back the right way. And, I mean, getting the dub was just extra, extra sweet. Only the third time the Gamecocks have ever won at Rupp Arena. So it's a rare mm -hmm. occurrence. And uh, what a night it was for sure. Yeah, Darren Horn had one of those wins. Uh, he beat Billy Gillespie. <laughs> yeah, the and, Devin uh, Downey game. I recall that one. Yeah, but that was uh, – but the, uh, the the previous one was in 97. Carolina actually won the SEC. Uh, so, 
uh, on senior day at Rucker, BJ Mackey, loving Wildacre. I was talking today, it was 26 years ago. I'm like, man, good Lord. <laughs> I'm getting old. Not blood. Uh, Not That's kind of crazy. Um, so, in your opinion, Chris, wrapping up with Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show, don't forget, at 115, I'll be on with him. Uh, portal, uh, not closed yet. What would what, Ideally for you, where do you think the Gamecocks' needs are, uh, you know, as far as getting a guy or two to kind of round this thing out and get really ready for next season? Well, I'll say this first, and I'm so happy we have a head football coach who is willing to and has shown he's going to attack portal, right? There there are some some coaches out there not to uh not to point the finger at, at God's NIL or anything, but you know, there's some <laughs> coaches out there that maybe they frown upon the portal and this, that, whatever. And meanwhile, we got a head football coach that's committed to attacking it. So I'm I'm glad we're on this side of things. But uh you know, I, I think wide receiver, you know, obviously if you can add a big-time offensive playmaker, I think you do it. I don't care if it's a running back, if it's a receiver. I think we're I think we're pretty set at tight end, guys. I don't know about what y'all think, but I think we're pretty good off in tight end. Um, but wide receiver or running back would be huge on the defensive side. Obviously, I, I thought the pickup of Jerron Willis, the old Miss transfer linebacker, was was huge, right? That's a position of, uh, of need, if you will, and uh, you, you're trying to bolster that. Um, in the secondary, right, it's going to be a bit of a retooled secondary. You've got some youngsters you feel good about, but if you can add a quality player or two there, I think it'd be big. But, um, you know, and then offensive line, you know, we need to continue to build depth there. But I, I'm confident whoever Shane Beamer wants to add. I mean, I, I'm, you know, again, I'm just happy the fact he's going to attack the portal. He's going to address our needs. But, you know, if you can go get a big wide receiver, I think, to compliment uh, Juice Wells, and it's, and it's not a slight at Xavier Leggett or Dak Joyner or Amarian Brown or – Omega Blake or Landon Sampson, any of these guys on the roster. But if you can go get like a proven big time legitimate dude to be sort of that that one B to his one A, uh, I think that would be really beneficial for the Gamecocks. And of course, Spencer Rattler and, uh, you know, could lead to big things. So I'm excited to see who they add. I certainly don't think they're done yet. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't know, defense to, uh, there's a good chance we'll see a, a, an addition at edge or slash D end. Does, does it does it rhyme with Najon Nefcoat? Is that possible? I don't know. I, I, I've been out for five days, Chris. I don't ask me to rhyme yeah, that's right right. now. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know anything. Are, yeah. Yeah, my rhyme skills are like uh, rusty. No, no. I mean, I, obviously, he's in the portal and is an Urbo kid and a lifelong Gamecock fan. So you connect the dots. I'd, I'd probably be surprised if he he, he wasn't coming back home. Uh, to play, and he's more, you know, he's got more production than uh, uh, in his career than than uh, Jordan Birch did, yeah. you know. So, well, I was going to uh, we'll say some that. others, but you know, since we dropped the name, certain others, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. certain others. Now, yeah. now, will that be the case at the end of next year? Is my question. You know, I mean, I certainly believe Birch has a ton of upside still, but mm. man, if you can replace a guy that. Hadn't really done it consistently with a guy that has for three years in the SEC. I think that's a that's a win, right? <laughs> that's a yeah, win. I I, I um, would say so. I would say so. Yeah. So, all right, Chris. Well, we will. Uh, I'll holler at you here in a little bit. We always appreciate you being on, and uh, hopefully back to regular schedule next week. Uh, yeah. And uh, and we'll go from there. Absolutely, guys. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it, JC. Looking forward to chatting with you at one fifteen. Phil, you take care, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Enjoy Hilton Head, man. Mm-hmm. See you, uh, Chris Phillips. Spurs up show always. Uh, well, this Cartwright has a good idea. 
I'll have to check to see if this is a possibility. Uh, the running back, Cavassier Smoke at Kentucky. Has he ended up anywhere? I haven't heard anything yet. I, I have not. No, I haven't. I haven't talked to anybody at Carolina about him because I just kind of assumed, you know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but we'll see. That's a good idea, Cartwright. Jason says, uh, oh, Darla Moore, I don't think was the NIL benefactor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. I, his, historically, Darla hasn't really, I think maybe it gives the Gamecock Club a little bit, but I don't think she's uh, foot the ball for athletics. It would have been like Dodie Anderson and some folks like that, but the late Dodie Anderson. But uh, it would be kind of funny if, if that happened. I, I think – the new president needs to fix that relationship, though, just for the sake of the university, right? Because it was just really unfortunate how things went downhill. Uh, Sean has a question about NIL. Says, can you give NIL deals to incoming recruits that are already committed or signed like PUP who is enrolled? Uh, enrolled, yes, as long as they're enrolled. Vicari Swain, uh, no, he's not enrolled. So you're not allowed to do that. Uh, Judah says, JC and Phil don't know what smoking on a pack is. Phil? Oh, Chris, Chris Phillips and his, uh, uh, packs of cigars is what they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crager said he heard a blue breasted whippoorwill behind Chris. Bird. <laughs> bird. Uh, Chuck <laughs> says, can we sign that seagull to an NIL? <laughs> <laughs> Lance Player said, uh, what up, C. Philly? What a night to have a night last night. That's right, Lance Player. No doubt, man. No doubt. Uh, this is Phil Hill. I'm happy again. The cold dowel logins went down smooth last night. That's right. The, the happy beer. logins last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JB says this team has no business beating Kentucky no matter how trash Kentucky is right now. I agree. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think you take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you take it. Uh, hey, I'm happy uh, to be zero and two on game predictions with uh, with what happened last night. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, happy, happy, happy says Darla Moore's done tremendous things for USC. Nikki Haley sucks. Hmm. It's hard to look at that situation, and, and uh, no matter where you're at politically, because I, I I don't think I think politics have been a problem at South at the University of South Carolina. Uh, I think people need to realize uh, universities are have since the 1960s and maybe before that have been liberally minded places and they're always going to be. I mean, we've been through how many decades of that. So Mm -hmm. trying to force like some change or put somebody on the board that's, you know, less, you know, more conservative or or something like or or hiring. I'm, I'm sorry, hiring a school president. That's that doesn't work to change anything. You're just going to get a lot of backlash. You have to understand kind of where you're working. And so I did think that was unfortunate no matter where you're at politically, because, Hey, Darla Moore may be on the other side of the aisle, but she helps the university of South Carolina and you're not going to change anybody's mind. How many people in college were quite a bit more liberal than they are now? (laughs) Because you got to go do something like pay taxes, right? Then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. I'm not as idealistic as I once was. But uh, all that good stuff. So, so that's my thing about how unfortunate that is. And I'm, I'm not trying to, like, go after Nikki Haley politically or anything like that. But I thought that was an unfortunate situation. And, and petty, to be honest. Um, VJ says, 
What's up, guys? JC, glad to see you back and saucy. 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 Joey G's Rattlers back, clowns. And all that good stuff. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Justin says if you have any kind of streak, you better watch out. Um, Kaki Gaming, morning, afternoon, gentlemen. We finally got some good news and all this mess lately. Yeah, and look, I, I started thinking about it and. Yeah, hey, Marshawn Lloyd wants to go take his chances at Southern Cal. That's more power to him, right? Not going to hurt the Gamecocks. Uh, you you kind of wonder, too, because I'm sure, sure Lincoln Riley and Shane Beamer had a conversation about it. Coaches do that all the time. So, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, and Jaheim Bell probably was going to leave anyway. But you got two out of four, probably – the two out of the four you really needed, you know, because I, I do think you can replace the production at running back with Bell and Lloyd and the production tied in. I think they can, they've already pretty much done that with uh, the kid from Western Kentucky and then the kid from Arkansas, Trey Knox, and then the kid from Florida played has played at least at this level. So, mm-hmm. you know, that tight end room's kind of flipped. Uh, Masaka is in already enrolled too. Reed Masaka, so and he was a he was a guy that had a lot of big time offers. So and, and physically, I think would be ready to come in and play. Yeah, not to mention um, the so, uh, potential recruit as well, who also could probably come in and yeah, put a few snaps in. <laughs> oh, just a few. Yeah. <laughs> I, people are like, what position would he play? I'm like touchdown. Yeah, right. Because yeah. <laughs> he he gets behind your defense. It's a touchdown. Um, Quantrell asking, you, are they going to get the back from Utah? That would be Micah Bernard. South Carolina's a little concerned about his injury situation, so I was told it was a no over the weekend, and Hale McGranahan reported that as well on the big spur. Um, I mean, you got to stay durable, running back, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then some ask, did they not know that before they bring in? Well, you don't – sometimes when you have concerns like that, the idea is to bring them in. Uh, you can get a closer quote unquote look at them, you know, uh, and make a call on that. Joey Sox says fans were shot leaving the game. I had a big smile walking out with my game guy hat on. My buddy I went with UK was not happy. Were you in the student section or near there? Because I looked at the Kentucky student section last night on TV, and I was like, well, there's a thing lone Gamecock sitting in there cheering his ass off, and I'm like, that's awesome. At Rupp. <laughs> At 0-2 at the SEC after getting beat 85-42, to 42, I was like, that's a daggum fan there. Still showing up, right. <laughs> so, uh, Joey says, guy got kicked out for having a sign that says, please go to Texas. <laughs> Not a good look. Nope. Uh, VJ says, what's the probability Mario Anderson has more yards from scrimmage than Marshawn Lloyd next year versus this year? I, if Mario Anderson can stay healthy, and yep. he adjusts to this level quickly. And I have no reason to believe he can't because you kind of look at the way he runs. He's powerful, good vision, quick feet. Uh, uh, I mean, he, he he should have gone out of high school probably to a place like Coastal Carolina or East Carolina, but academically and things, uh, it didn't work out. Um, so uh, that's the deal there. Uh, Stacy says uh, – what defensive end combo is better, Birch and Edmund or Jeff Coat and Strong? 
I think I'm going to go with, uh, if you're talking about proven players, Jeff Coat and Strawn. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'll caution and say this. I mean, there's there's some debate there, obviously. But I, to, I've always thought Jordan Strawn was a very productive pass rusher. You know, he needs to get better against yeah. the run. I thought earlier this year he did. Um, Rick asked JC, why didn't J- USC go after Jalen Lane? They liked him. They were interested, but uh, they got some guys a little higher on their board. So there's some good news, Rick. I'd have loved to have seen him sign Jalen Lane because I'm friends with his dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his dad threw me my only touchdown of my football career on 98 bootleg pass at the reservation in Gaffney at middle school. There we go, Brian Lane, <laughs> the, the new coach at Catfish. That's his nickname, mm-hmm. Coach Catfish. You know, but we uh, he uh, just got the West Side job in Anderson, by the way, which I think is awesome. Nice. Uh, happy Abby Abby says, unless the Gamecocks are able to pick up a lot for the portal, I can see a ton of freshmen playing next year. Just kind of depends on what uh, what position you're talking about. I, you know, you see the line. Now I'll say this: the two ends, Rames and Umi Azulu. They're in early, and they're expected to play. Uh, and then there'll be some redshirt freshmen. Um, I think, especially in the secondary, guys like Keenan Nelson and guys like that that I think will play uh, back. Um, yeah. Well, let's hit the break, JC, because it's right at oh, yeah, noon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we got yeah. Uh, Jamie's in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. JV's in the waiting room? All right. Rick says 95 grads. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um. And Lance has any runabouts on our radar. I, I got to check on that and hope Trey John comes home. He's that dude. All right. Break and then JB on the other side. Good to be back in the side a little Wednesday inside the Gamecocks the show after this. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Easy. He's got a tiger by the tail, he has. He better hang on too. People have spoken. Nana's Porch was voted the third best food truck or trailer by the Charlotte newspaper Public Poll. Also, their pimento cheese mm, took third in a contest exclusively for products made in the state of North Carolina. I will let Noah Hall tell you about the rest. Nana's Porch, Southern Cuisine with an Uptown Twist. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to 
Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cocks! Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. That music, of course, means that it's Wednesday. Uh, not to throw y'all off for the past couple of days. <laughs> and Jamie Bradford is back in the chair, whereas he is a glutton for punishment, has agreed to come back and do another hour with us this week. So, Jamie, hey, welcome back. Well, thank you. It is nice to be on this uh, very uh, highly rated uh, television slash radio show with Phil and a newly defined and healthy J.C. Sherbert. Right, who, who I absolutely feel like we're about to hop better. in a submarine and go explore the bottom of the ocean with the, <laughs> the beanie. Is that a is that in a life aquatic reference? Yes, yes, yes. Now, I call you uh, Sherbzy. Sure, <laughs> I, I kind of look like I kind of can feel it. I'm like, you, I'm in the bottom of the ocean was the ocean is I, I don't I, I thought that movie was terrible. And uh, literally, my ex-wife hated it so bad. Um, and we we normally liked the movies we went and saw, but we just went and saw it. And Steve Zazu, because uh, I just I don't like that director. Uh, I didn't like the Royal Tenenbaums either. Wes Anderson, I'm not, fan, really. I'm not a guy. I, I just I don't like the the way the deadpan dialogue. I just think it's not funny. But hmm. midway through that, it was so bad, and I looked at the expression on her her face, and it was so sour. That I immediately laughed my ass off for the rest of the movie, just at her and her reaction, because it was to me it was that bad. I mean, and that, I know that I know people swear by those movies and, and Phil, you know, but I just, I mean, I don't know. I just never, never. I, just, I was just like, God, what? What if we did the whole show that way? Hello, how are you? I'm Anyway. But yeah, but I do kind of look like I'm about, like maybe the guy from Jaws. Mike Morgan loves Jaws. Man, oh yeah, we're gonna need I a bigger Jaws. boat. Yeah, a big Dude, boat. That, that, that. Yeah, I love Jaws. Anyway, so uh, Jamie, uh, be back in the saddle again today. But a uh, big bunch of news last night, or, or, or uh, I guess a big piece of news and a big happening on the on the hardwood. Uh, start with uh, the basketball game. Uh, I've said all day, I think uh, anytime you play in this league uh, and you win at Rupp, it's special. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, there you go. Well, your thoughts? Well, you know, before hoops, first of all, the uh, the return is is the big story for me today. Uh, oh, the, return, uh, the return of Eric Church to Charleston, South Carolina on June 30th. <laughs> Uh, as I got my email at 7 o'clock this morning, long before the public knew he was coming, we are already in line for church choir pit tickets. And uh, he's only going to be 25 minutes from my house, but that is 25 minutes too far to drive. So I've already booked a hotel right next to the stadium. <laughs> wow. and, uh, oh, don't so worry about it, Uber getting home, right? Yeah. <laughs> is he going to be at Johnson Haygood or is it at North Charleston no. Coliseum? Or? No, he's going to be at uh, Credit One Stadium on Daniel Island where they're booking everybody. Oh. I mean, everybody's Elton John just played there. Um, wow. So they, uh, yeah, it's uh, June 30th. And um, anybody in the low country, you can get your tickets after people like me, of course, decade long church choir members. The rest of you, the hell with you. 
If you get a ticket, great. If not, you should have been in the church choir. Should have like, been there. Yeah, that's right. like the Gamecock Club. Uh, so uh, no, yeah, that was huge, man. Wow, I, I, I t- I'll tell you. All right, so I'm just going to be fully honest and transparent. I was so disinterested in what was going to happen in that game last night after the 43 point drubbing by Tennessee that I decided. All right, kids, uh, let's watch Lyle Lyle Crocodile for the 16th time on Amazon Prime. And uh, so we were watching that, and it was bedtime for them about 8 o'clock. And so I got up to put them in bed, and I checked the score, and I said, what in the – so I kind of rushed them in there. (laughs) Dad, will you lay down with me tonight? No, go to bed. Uh, I I came back and uh, watched the rest of the game, and it was – uh, what a win. I mean, uh, you know, anytime you can go to Rupp Arena where they had won 28 in a row, which was the second longest home winning streak in the country, which wasn't even close to the first, by the way. Gonzaga holds that. They won 75 straight at home. Um, but uh, but there have been 21 straight wins at Rupp. So it doesn't happen often there, regardless of what type of team Kentucky rolls out on the floor. Uh, there's always some magic to go around up there. And uh, last night, Carolina – you know, let it toe to toe. They they never they never gave up the lead. They responded when the Wildcats would make a big play, and uh, they got it at, down within three with a few minutes to go. And then, sure enough, you come down the floor, you hit a shot. Gigi hits a big three. And guys, I mean, we've only done this now three times up there under Darren Horn in '09 and under Coach Fogler in '97. And of those three wins, uh, you know, most of the time we go up there, you get the crap kicked out of you, and. Um, and it didn't happen. Fair. And of those, you know, when, when you think about those three wins, uh, there there was always a you, you have to have your stars be your stars in Rupp, or you won't you don't win the game. And and you go back to '97, BJ and Larry and um, and Melvin Watson that night. I think they combined for for like 50 points. I remember BJ had 22, and he kept going to the free throw line late in the game. And um, and so they won that one. Of course, Kentucky ended up making it to the national championship that year and got beat by by Arizona and Lute Olson. But so you, you, you think about those big three and those were the big three during that time when Carolina was pretty darn good. And then you think about the 09 game and everybody remembers Devin Downey's shot. and Everybody talks about that was Devin Downey's game. But might I remind everybody, Zam Frederick outscored Devin. Zam Frederick had 24 in that game. And so you had 47 between Zam and Devin. And they go up there and, and win the game. Kentucky missed the tournament that year, if I remember correctly, and they fired Gillespie. And then last night, you had Michi Johnson, who was just out of control. He was he fired up one that he missed literally from almost the half-court line. I thought, well, man, this guy's really feeling it. I don't know that I like it. But um, but, he, but he hit most of the ones he threw up, and, and GG was, uh, was really, really good. I You know, if you think about this, he's 18. Okay, Carolina gets beat by 43 at home to Tennessee on Saturday. He gets shut out. Worst game of his career, probably of his life. And he turns around, goes into Rupp Arena, and hangs 16 on the board and played really, really, really good basketball. Wow. I mean, that, that as impressive as Michi was to think about a kid who just got really the first punch in the mouth of his whole life as a basketball player, especially at this level. I mean, he, was, he didn't know what the hell to do in the Tennessee game. He was totally lost. And Lamont gets him going, and he goes up there and hangs 16 on the board, and Carolina wins. So there, there's a lot of good in that game, guys. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. I mean, you got a three-game homestand coming up, right? And has anybody paid attention to who these three teams are? Do y'all, does everybody know what it looks like? No. Well, 
All right. Just to so be got, honest, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you got A&M, who Carolina's beaten six straight times coming up this weekend. You got Ole Miss, who's 0-4 in the league. And then, yes, you do have Auburn, and we all know how difficult that's going to be. They had Auburn on the ropes last year and just couldn't get it done. After that, you go to uh, Florida. You go to Georgia. Florida's struggling this year. And then you've beaten Georgia 11 straight games. Now, they've got a little bit of a revival going on under, under Mike White. But there's opportunity. Now, I'm not saying this like, oh, guys, they can make the tournament. They don't have a prayer of making any tournament right now. Okay? If there's a conversation to be had about that sometime in early March, oh, my God, it'd be the turnaround of the, of the century. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about building a program. You know, and and this thing looked absolutely awful 24 hours ago at this point in time. Phil, you and I were like, God, do we even want to talk about this? We had a yeah, guy I mean, on the yeah. show yesterday that, that texted us and said, say a prayer. I'm going to go to the game tonight. And we're like, we'll, we'll put you at the top Joey of the list. Sox. Joey Sox. You know? Joey Sox went like a Joey champion. Sox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, the, the, this is about rebuilding your program. You broke it down totally. And now you're trying to build it back up. And they've got a few opportunities coming up uh, where maybe they can start to capitalize on it and, you know, turn into a basketball team. They, they looked like one last night, finally. Yeah, I, I think uh, – and, and No, in, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I was like you. I didn't turn it on. I got the Spencer Rattler news, and I was like, yay. And then I got a text from my friend Margo, and she was like, WTF, and I was like – Maybe that was before Rattler announced. I was worried that, like, oh, this is bad football news. It's just what I need. I can't even see straight. And uh, and I looked, and it was like Carolina 30, 33, Kentucky 21. And I was like, wow. And I'm like, well, the minute I turn it on, Kentucky's going to go on like a 25 nothing run. So I'll, I'll sit this one out. And then I think it was 42-32, and I finally turned it back on. I was like, man, it's 10 minutes to go in the game. You know, there must be something crazy. Somebody, how many players is Kentucky missing? You know, I had to, had all these questions, but not I much. popped it over, man. And uh, boy, uh, a heck of a game and a heck of a win. Like I said, it's special when you play in this league. Anytime you beat Kentucky at Rupp, or anytime you beat them at all, but Carolina's beaten them several times through the years in Columbia. But at Rupp, that's been tough sledding, and to break a long home winning streak that they had. I mean, that's. It's like winning at Cameron Indoor if you're in the ACC or the Dean Dome, which I think Clemson finally won there, didn't they, during the pandemic? Finally, Yeah, I think they cracked it finally. They they, they finally cracked that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, anyway. Hey, and and look, the other thing about this basketball team, too, guys, they did beat Clemson. and Clemson's actually playing really well on the hardwood right now. (laughs) I think they're undefeated in the ACC or maybe they've lost one. So, uh, that's the deal. And you're right. There are some manageable teams. And I also will say this, and then we'll wrap up hoops here and get a break. I think when you play Tennessee, any team Rick Barnes coaches, right? If you're young, inexperienced, you're, you haven't gelled, you got a bunch of guys that are, you know, playing hard, but they, if they haven't faced that kind of defensive team, there's a chance that what happened could happen to anybody. Because they are just in your jock. Even when they don't have elite players, like I think they do this year, a Rick Barnes coach team is going to defend the you-know-what out of you. If you're not used to that, you know, which I doubt – I I don't think anybody in AAU ball was guarding Gigi Jackson like Tennessee guarded, right? Oh, no. No. Uh, 
It can happen like that. So, uh, you know, hey, flush that. Celebrate the win at Rupp. Get some confidence going. And if uh, if Michi and Gigi play well, I think Carolina can hang in. I mean, and if you think about this, too, and then one, one more point. I, I lied. I have one more point. All right, so take the Tennessee game out of it, right? So lately, <laughs> just, uh, just like recently, since the East Carolina loss, which I thought was embarrassing, you know, Carolina beat a pretty good Western Kentucky team at home. They beat Eastern Michigan, who has maybe a lottery pick on their team this year, and that's about it. They went to overtime, lost to Vandy on the road. That's not an easy place to play. They got slaughtered by Tennessee. They came back and won it up. So if you look at the last five games, you're an overtime loss at Vanderbilt for being 4-1 and one and 2-1 and one in the league. So I don't know. You know, <laughs> what does that mean? I, I'm not sure because there there are some ugly losses. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll see kind of how it goes. And you're right, you know, A&M, Mississippi, Auburn, at Florida, at Georgia, Mississippi State's coming in. I mean, it's you, you don't really start hitting it again until Arkansas and Missouri back-to-back uh, in February. So, you know, you know, and I think the idea of Jamie, as you pointed out, is just to win, have as many good moments and win as many as you can. Uh, and, hey, and see where the chips fall and then, you know, use that to kind of build some momentum. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that we all know that they're recruiting and um, and I, I don't know how it's going to work out. But but they, they hired they fired a coach and hired a new coach to rebuild the program. So you got to start somewhere uh, and uh, no better literally no better place to start in the SEC than in Rupp Arena and. I'll be interested to see if uh, if they decide to keep Josh Gray in the starting lineup as well. Um, I know I understand why he finally got the start last night. He was better to match up with Shibway and, and Kentucky and kind of how they play. He, he he needs to play. Like Josh Gray's biggest thing is he has got to keep playing. He he's he's got he's got everything you dream of when you look at a big man. Uh, he just has to continue to improve, and he can't improve unless he plays and. The more he played under Frank Martin, he continued to get better. He hasn't played that much this year. He hasn't been starting. I'm not sure why. I'm not the coach. So I'm not going to question it. But um, I hope he I hope he stays in the lineup and keeps playing. If you can get him going, you brought in Michi Johnson to, to run the point. And if he can not turn the basketball over and shoot it the way that he's capable of shooting it, that takes a lot of pressure off of Gigi Jackson, man. And he can just kind of grow up instead of having to worry about you know, running this team up and down the floor and trying to be the difference maker every time. So good things happen like that. We'll see how it all works out. And we didn't even mention Chico Carter, you know, a guy who's literally put him on their back so much this year. And and last night he only fired up four shots. It looked like Kentucky was just intent on making sure that they took him out of the games. He was shooting above 50% from beyond three-point range. Well, in lieu of that, they allowed Michi Johnson to fire up a bunch of them, and six of those that left his hand went through the net. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a good night. It was just a good night for South Carolina. And um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, Hayden Brown fouled out, but I thought he hustled. Uh, and that's what they need him to do is get after loose balls, scrap. Uh, and I'm with you completely. I've always been a Josh Gray guy because I think he's got some things you can't coach. Uh, and I think he's a lot better than Bosman's Verdunk. That's just, uh, a, I think, yeah. a fact. Um, and I, so I love the way the minutes were split up last night. Daniel Hankins Sanford, who's a freshman, nice yeah. three, uh, played eleven minutes. Jacoby Reddit like some good moments. So, you know, I think uh, I think we'll see what they happens. like him right. and they like the Davis kid too. They like both of those Zach guys. Davis, the, yeah, yeah, those those young guys they like. And I get Verdonk, you know, playing 
Uh, Lamont wanted to go with somebody who understands basketball a little bit more, but, I, you know, uh, Josh Gray seems to be the guy with the higher ceiling, at least as we understand it. So, you know, we'll kind of see how it all works out, no doubt. But, um, but yeah, it was really, um, really, really fun to watch them actually play basketball last night. They actually seemed to have an offensive system in place, and they kind of had an idea of what they're going to go do out there, and they just kind of continued to stick with it. They hit free throws. I mean, yeah, scrap how you, kind of how you play basketball. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. a crazy place to put it all together, but we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. No doubt. All right, we're going to have our first break of the second hour. More with Jamie Bradford after this on the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. You can't handle the truth! Gamecock Nation, do you need a place to stay for the big game? Many hotel booking engines keep all the commissions, but at Fan Plans, you support Inside the Gamecocks, still earn your hotel loyalty points, and you receive an email with direct confirmation from the hotel. Whether you are visiting Columbia to cheer on Carolina or hitting the road to follow the team, get in the stands with fan plans. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Show is presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John Barber a call, 803-446-4662, to discuss a potential backyard retreat for your home. And you, you mentioned that you heard it here. It'll give you $500 off your first project. And so, guys, we are back. What a day yesterday, as we said. I don't think, you know, you can overstate the importance of what happened on the football side of things as well as basketball. Because uh, while we hope it's not a fluke, it may very well be. <laughs> Seeing this uh, yeah. played you, up to the star. So they beat, they beat Clemson. They won at Rupp and they won at Georgetown. Yeah. Well, what that, <laughs> what that is, not... is it? it's a team that's, that's very young. Uh, and and it's a team with a lot of kids have never played before with a coach who's never coached them. That's what it is. That's what yeah, that is. And not a lot of depth yeah, you know. either. And, you, and you get that. a you get a mixed bag like this when you got no, when you got a whole group of people that just don't understand each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's what happens. yeah, and maybe yeah, maybe it, the game will help them gel. Mm-hmm. All right, Craiger in the Nana Sports chat box says Montague Rames and Desmond Umi Zulu let like they need about twenty pounds before they're ready. Maybe uh, they'll get that in, in about a month. Quickly. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I said <laughs> about, about that. Enrolling, enrolling early. And Rames in particular, I think, yeah. talking to somebody the other day, they think he can be at 255 freshman year. Um, and Desmond, 
you know, obviously is a little bit thinner build, but Desmond got a lot better uh, this season. Um, you know, so I, 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 I think if you're talking about those guys as far as starters, it's really dicey. But if you're talking about them as backups or top reserves, obviously they're both talented four-star guys. They're only going to get better the more they play, um, unless they're bust, which is always possible. Uh, but I, I just doubt it on those two. So that's, you know, that, that's kind of one of those things. Lots of schools recruit four-star guys that have to step in and play at, at that position. So we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, Spencer Rattler's – so the other comeback, Jamie. <laughs> uh, Rattler and Juice Wells, I know you guys probably talked about Juice yesterday. Uh, and I think it was pretty much the writing was on the wall that Rattler would we'd be, be back, I think. You and I both have talked to people that have felt like Juice and Spencer were coming back. But, you know, just kind of with the way things go, college football these days, you're not really sure until you're sure. Um, uh, I, I think there are a lot of Gamecock fans that almost breathed the sigh of relief, but that were rejoicing uh, when Rattler put that tweet out at 8.03 last night. Oh. So I wonder if that was intentional, 8.03. Staying in the 8.03, right? Interesting. Huh. So, Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know your your thoughts about that. I uh, you know it's okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I probably could have. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I you know. I, uh, it's nice to have some continuity with the returning quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, you, you, I, I I think they probably could have gone to the portal and found somebody that they liked a little more. Uh, ah. yeah, maybe somebody that sat for three or four years is just happy to be there. Ah, dude, I mean, I, look, I, I think they, I think in 2023, I, um, when you look around the league, I mean, I, I like the kid at, at Tennessee, no doubt. Um, I like the Daniels kid at, at LSU. Um, you know, we haven't seen much of Carson Beck yet at Georgia. I mean, there's, there's always going to be a lot of great quarterbacks in this league. You know, Will Rogers returns to Mississippi State, but, you know, call me, you can call me what you want. Um, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. You know, I think this kid, I think this kid, it clicked. And he's one of those type of people when it does, you know, he's only got one way to go. And you add in a, a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator and Coach Loggins that, that understands, you know, what he's going through now. He's gonna, They're going to basically try to keep a lot of the same concepts, is my understanding, but they're going to they're gonna dumb it down and, and make this thing more of a college-style, pro-style system. And then you also have a th- that same guy is is able to kind of guide you through the NFL waters. And so, uh, and you return, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the in the conference in the country, probably in Juice Wells. So um, I think they have the. I, I I really do. I mean, I like all these other guys, and we'll have to see what happens. It's January, but. If you ask me today, pick a quarterback in the league, and he's your starter day one. I, I want Spencer Rattler. Um, there's a reason why everybody wanted Spencer Rattler, and, and we've got him again in year two. Absolutely, and then the arm. You know, there's a lot of players that can play, right? And, and, and a lot of good quarterbacks, and maybe some that have been more productive than them. But his arm talent. Watch some of the throws he made against Tennessee, Clemson, even Notre Dame when uh, he spread oh. out and hit Leggett on the touchdown. I mean, there's a that's not those are not throws everyone can make, right? No, does that not make at all. sense? <laughs> uh, well, those aren't throws, uh, JC. Those aren't throws that 
like most make. I mean, I yeah. I mean, you know, I, Brady can't make some of those throws. I mean, it, it, his arm talent is as good as you're gonna find. I mean, it's he's he's got the Brett Farvish in him when it comes to arm talent. You know, if he gets the system down, and uh, which you know you're adding, so he he spent all of what all of the winter last year, all of the spring, all of the summer, you know, learning this new system under Coach Satterfield, learning his teammates, developing relationships both on and off the field. Well, he's already he's already done that now. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some new guys that come in, but this is his team. Like, he does, he's not relearning the South Carolina way of doing things. You know, you're not just totally tossing in a new offense here. Like, this is all stuff he's done. Now it's just improve, improve, improve. I mean, that's dangerous for a guy like Spencer Rattler. If you protect him, which I think they're going to be able to protect him, watch out. I mean, that Drake May, that opening weekend with Drake May and Rattler and Daniels and uh, the Hunter kid from Florida State, that's a special weekend in quarterback matchups. I, I really cannot wait. I agree. I think that is that's going to be something else there. Two ACC, SEC neutral site games. I'm Hoping maybe the Gamecocks and Heels get a better kickoff time than so you know. Uh, hope it's not a nooner. Hope it's not a two thirty ish. Uh, kind of hoping it's uh, maybe at night up there in Charlotte. And I'm kind of hoping Gamecock fans get over. All right, so this is the last time there's a game scheduled during the regular season in Charlotte for forever. For right now, you know, there's nothing else scheduled in Charlotte. So. No more of this. Oh, I don't want to go to Charlotte, you know, because it's it's going to be a heck of a quarterback battle, and one of the games people are going to be talking about uh, opening weekend next weekend because of because uh, of Drake May and Spencer Rattler. Sonder makes a, ask a question here, and I'm going to get your point on this. Does anyone else find it interesting? Loggins hadn't made any staff changes. This is a product of prior contracts and obligations, or is he truly nope. happy with the staff? I find it strange he didn't bring in an O line coach, considering it would have been a natural time for a change. Despite the success Teasley had, yeah, I'll just say this: I don't know if you're going to find uh, a great one uh, that's as good as Lonnie. I mean, people don't understand at HBCU level. There's so many great coaches, and for whatever reason, they never get out of that level uh, of football. It's probably because there's not a lot of head coaches that go up the ladder from there. Uh, but you'll find out when you watch Deion Sanders in Colorado win games uh, how good of coaches there are at that level. And I thought Lonnie got the offensive line better. Uh, all these big-time recruits want to play for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a very good fundamental teacher. Uh, so I, I just don't know that you find anybody new that's this is good. Uh, as far as the rest of the staff goes, uh, and, I, and I think this is one of those leftover kind of spurrier things, maybe a little must champ, because uh, Mike Bobo did bring Joe Cox in. But uh, spurrier – didn't care. I mean, he, he cared, but he didn't uh, until the end when, when he didn't let Hope bring anybody. Uh, but everybody else on defense, he'd be like, oh, shoot, you can just hire two or three guys and, and do whatever. That, that's because that's, that's a different setup than you have normally. Normally, your head coach picks his whole staff. Uh, you don't see, I mean, Wes Godwin, all, all the internal promotions at Clemson haven't been able to pick their own guys. Uh, same's true at Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban picks his staff, you know, Will Muschamp when he was here, picked his staff. Um, so, uh, I didn't find that interesting at all. In fact, I, I pretty much felt Lonnie Teasley would get the job after those last two regular season games. Your, your thought, Jamie. 
Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure what change would be necessary there. I, I um, you know, internally, all the uh, I, I'm assuming JC, your intel is about as good as mine. I mean, internally, they're they're thrilled with what Lonnie Teasley was able to do with the offensive line from a coaching standpoint. Uh, externally, I think we, if we all, you know, uh, just kind of pay attention, take a close look at it. You, we can all see the impact he's having from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, the the two best linemen in the state of South Carolina and two of the best linemen in the entire country are on the verge of committing to the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. And um, and then not to mention the guys that have already just signed, like Big Tree and, and, and Marquis Anderson and others. So – and all these guys are really ecstatic with your offensive line coach. You know, I think sometimes as fans – and this is – I'm not I'm – not sure, I don't remember who you said asked the question. This is not at all directed to that, that individual mm-hmm. at all. I'm just saying in general, I think sometimes as fans, you know, we get caught up in this video, video game world. Um, fire this guy and, and let's restart our dynasty and, and let's rename this player and, and update his speed and make him our best player. And yada, yada, yada. it's not how it works at all. Uh, and social media and message boards and all these things that have provided all of this information and all of this quote unquote transparency over the years have made that worse. Um, you know, we're all very judgmental based on things that sometimes just really aren't realistic. And um, you, we all we got to kind of backtrack a little bit and remember that you know there's there are there are coaches involved that they might actually know a little bit more than we do, and so you know I'm gonna kind of gonna kind of side with Coach Beamer here because they're recruiting outstanding. Thought the offensive line, you know, did as the season went on, you know, it got better. It, it I'll never say that it was really good. I, I don't think we can all agree on that, right? Like I don't think this is one of the best offensive lines that that South Carolina's put on the field in a while. I, I think that they need to continue to just get more talent. Um, but uh, but they certainly got better. And, you know, based on what I know, I think Lonnie Teasley is, should be the offensive line coach. Um, but some people don't agree. Yeah. But he is. I mean, I'm here. No. And it, well, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's probably one of those, like, you know, aspects of the Dowell Loggins hire that we don't think that actually was an advantage because he's not, you know, a college guy. He's not going to try to push to bring his own people in and things like that. And then you, you put that with trying to maintain the consistency in the recruiting aspect of it because, you know, when you look at this class, it's, it's heavy on offensive line talent. And I don't know if you keep it all together if he brings in some new face regardless of his prowess as a recruit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you there. I well, mean, and this is kind of the same conversation too. And I'm glad you're back JC. Cause I'll, I, I'd rather you be able to answer this. I try, I did my best with it a couple of days ago, but I mean, I think people are still trying to, to find the why in Montario Hardesty with what he's, why he's still on staff. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm not Shane Beamer, so I, I, I don't actually know the answer to the question. What I do know is that I know somebody pretty good inside that football program uh, who's much more qualified than I would ever dream of being to judge any coach, especially a running backs coach, who is like, dude, this cat is – he's legit. And then I, you know, I know a couple of 5A coaches in South Carolina who say he's their favorite recruiter when they walk through the door. So that's what I have to base my information on. JC, and then on you look on the field the last couple of years that he's coached at, at Carolina, and you see 
you know, when Kevin Harris was healthy, he was really good. Zaquandre White was <laughs> he had a breakout year last year, and there's a reason he went to the NFL. I mean, Marshawn, when he was healthy, he was good. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he's he he got Jaheim Bell ready to be a running back. I mean, we didn't have one, and that's who they needed to play back there because Christian Beal Smith wasn't healthy. So, you know, I think that. You know, and you get out of the video game mindset a little bit, and and you kind of look at let's look at the facts here. And I, I'm I'm very blessed because I get a little bit of int- interesting additional information. JC, you get much more than I do. That's why I'm kind of passing the torch to you on this. But like, you know, you get these questions about these coaches. Well, I mean, so far all the information I have isn't any reason to just go fire a guy. So. You know what? I guess now that you're back, what say you for something like that, like a, like a hardesty? I know that there were rumors that he might not return, and this, that, and the other, and I heard him too. But since then, all the information I have leads me to believe that there was really no reason for him to go anywhere. Yeah, I think that's it too. And, I, and I'm gonna tell you this right now. And, and you know, this is uh, I've seen this work both ways. Uh, when Coaches want to make changes, not for the sake of making changes, but it's kind of could be borderline. You, you could upgrade your staff doing this, that, or the other. Uh, and there's two schools of thought. And I've, I've seen it blow up in people's face. I mean, Tommy Bowden in 03 uh, was about to get fired. <laughs> and he beats Florida State. And he beats the Tar out of Carolina. And he beats Tennessee in the Peach Bowl. And they finish 9-4. and four which is a – right now, Clemson probably fire people if they went 9-4. and four. But they went 9-4, yeah. and four, and that was a huge deal because, yes, they were in the people again, but, oh, uh, things are starting to click. Well, Brad Scott called the ball plays down the stretch. You know, and I think we can all agree, regardless of how you feel about Brad Scott, mm-hmm. he's a good play caller, really good play caller. I mean, in 08, when Dabo took back over, when Dabo took over, Brad took over that offense for a little while with Napier, and, it, 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 you know, they did pretty well. Well, then Tommy, you know, I'm not happy with nine wins, so he switches to Mike O'Kane, which is more of a pro-style guy, doesn't really have the a good play caller, good coach, Mike O'Kane, but not Clemson grad, you know, but not – I would never compare him to Brad Scott. Well, then the next year they struggled mightily on offense and went six and five. Mm-hmm. Well, that set them up for disaster because then they went and hired Rob Spence, who was a, an abject failure at Clemson and, and really probably caused Bowden to get fired. So sometimes you got to be careful what you what you wish for. And I also think that in this day and age, when you're talking about culture and you're talking about you know always having to recruit your players, your own players, because of what's out there. Uh, you know, you, you're very hesitant unless it's absolutely necessary to upset the apple cart because you've preached team and you've preached family. And so you just go fire a guy just to fire him, you know, and you laid out a pretty good case for him not being fired. Um, you know, that can upset things a, a bit. And, and not only did I get fired, he got a contract extension. And, and I think, you know, if Beamer decides that's what he wants to do with his running backs coach, that's fine with me. Um, you know, I, I've heard mixed things, uh, but like you did toward the middle to end of this year, the narrative inside kind of changed on him a little bit. Um, and, and I think, you know, he, he's a running backs coach that played running back, but also before he got to Carolina, just like Clayton White had never coached linebackers, uh, Monterey Hardesty's never coached running backs. His position, he's played it, but hadn't coached it. 
Um, and, and there have been some productive backs. So, um, you know, I, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just – I'll say this to finish up. This is the point I was trying to make. Shane Beamer's not going to be one of those coaches that makes changes just to make changes. Uh, it's, there's going to have to be a daggum good reason uh, for him. He's not, he's not one that goes and hunts upgrades. Uh, he's one that's like, here's our guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it this way. And I, I think he, quite frankly, gets that from his dad. Um, you know, because I think that's uh, that was kind of what they did at Virginia Tech. They had some guys that stayed there for 20 years. And yeah. it worked out. So, Well, and I mean, in the same sentence, though. I mean, if he's got a guy who isn't worth a damn, he ain't going to keep him around either. I mean, there's – like, there – we you can't. Like, not in today's world because this isn't yesterday's college football. Yesterday's college football gave you five or six years to get a program turned around. Today's gives you three. Sure. Because of the transfer portal and things like that, um, you know, I think too, and I and um, my my guys here. One day I got to get up with these guys, uh, Craig and Clint, and all them. Um, yeah. Craig, you know, he said people want to see Hardesty get kids in here, and 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 I understand that. That's true. Um, so, but on that note, like JC, you know more about this than I do. South Carolina's recruiting approach under Shane is is a little bit different than how people think it is. It is. Yes, you have a territory, but and yes, you are a lead recruiter, but it is very much a collective effort in that building to sign kids. Uh, if they feel like there is something, some type of trait that another coach has that somebody needs to be around. I mean, Jimmy Lindsay is one of the main recruiters for the, the lineman out of uh, the Thompson kid, the lineman who's the 24 kid. Okay? Mm-hmm. He ain't going to coach him. He's a defensive line coach. So there is a collective effort in that building. We have to remember that. Now, I can't sit here and tell you. I have no idea. I don't. Shane never calls me and asks me to come into the recruiting room and look up on the board so I can know what's going on and turn around and talk about it in front of the camera. Um, but I do know that, they're, that they all work together in there. There's a reason he got an extension. So uh, clearly with the on-field stuff, and I'm sure that there's some recruiting stuff, you want to make sure that whatever prospects really like Montario Hardesty understand he's going to be around here. Uh, for a little while, not just one more year and wondering what in the world's going on. And with that, if you actually go look at recruits that are – like one of the things that I think has kind of bothered me, Justin Stepp has missed a a few wide receivers since he's been at South Carolina. But people take quickly to the internet and blame it on Marcus Satterfield's system. I hadn't heard anybody do that to Monterio Hardesty to defend him yet. You know, so why not? I mean, Justin Stepp actually is credited with one recruit right now. It's Marquis Anderson. Okay, because that's his territory. But we all know damn well he's been involved with a bunch of them. Okay, so, you know, I'm going to defend him a little bit here because I'm not saying that everything I'm saying is right or or should be agreed with. That's the purpose of having the conversation. But, um, but, you know, what I'm getting at is there's a lot that we, we, we don't know, we don't see, and we don't understand. And so far since Shane Beamer's been in South Carolina, things have kind of gotten a little bit better, a lot quicker than people thought they would. So until, you know, it proves me wrong, at least, I'm going to kind of kind of stay in that camp. And he did sign the Braswell kit, so we'll give him that. Yeah, and I'll say it's the days Which, by the of way, it's having... not in his territory. His territory is down here in the low country. Right, yeah. The days of having – all right, so what they do, a quick recruiting process here right now. Um, okay, so it used to be like during the Spurrier era, and this changed a bit under Muschamp because, quite frankly, if it wasn't Bobby Bentley, 
Uh, and then when Thomas Brown was at South Carolina, then when Des Kitchings was at South Carolina, those guys kind of did things on their own. And Wolford on the offensive line, your best recruiter on what Muschamp staff was Will Muschamp. I mean, yeah. bottom line. I mean, White Will was involved. And... Pe- people don't yeah, catch up, popsicle to an yeah. Eskimo, White whatever Love. he's doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shane and those guys do it a, even different, a lot different. In other words, like Pete Limbo has – and I think maybe on our website we need to do a better job of adding secondary and area recruiters. Like, you know, Pete Limbo has the Northeast or the DMV, so to speak, right? Well, well, Big Tree, though, his recruiter was really, at the end of the day, Lonnie Teasley. You know, Desmond Umizulu, his recruiter at the end of the day was Sterling Lucas. Uh, Nick Harbor's recruiters are – Johnny Holstaff, <laughs> you know, because everybody's right. involved. Shane Beamer's involved with a lot of these guys. So so your days of oh, yeah. having the star area recruiter that just goes and, and, and you know, your running backs coach signs 10 guys from five different positions, you know, that's not how they do it at South Carolina. I mean, uh, Monterio Hardesty, all right, so he's got the low country. Uh, we're going to give him credit for Camp Ringle. Right. I my mean, point. you know, that's yeah. his area. But, no, it's going to be Lonnie Teasley and everybody else. And they do so much team recruiting. You know, you, you almost don't assign the area. The area guy's responsible for going and finding guys and saying, hey, look at the film. Do you like him? And then normally the position coach at South Carolina takes the lead uh, and goes from there. Um, well, and the, and the area coach, JC, is especially under Beamer, is responsible for developing relationships in every school in his area, especially like – and what not just the state right but they consider charlotte atlanta jacksonville like they consider that south carolina savannah right so it's their job not just to like like it's not like montero hardest he's the only cat you're going to talk to in the low country his job is to is to develop the relationship between the university of south carolina and whatever high school is wando or Bishop, whatever he's walking into right and and then from there if you're recruiting a kid They'll put together the game plan to go get that kid. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and that's what they do. And it's more of a team thing uh, as well. But, yeah, and uh, somebody in the chat box asked about Landon Sampson. That was Justin Stepp. Just about anybody in the state of Texas. Right. Uh, yeah, so yeah. here's another thing. Yeah. Like, Peyton Williams came from Texas. Justin Stepp is his area recruiter because he has, I think, just about the whole state. But Tori and Greg got that done, Right. Um, so, so we're kind of, just with everything else in this sport, we're kind of in like a new territory where you kind of step back and judge it differently than maybe you once did. Now, uh, have I never heard from anyone on the inside that Montero Hardesty needs to recruit better and land some guys? Sure. I've never not, I'm not going to say I've never heard that. You know, I'm not going to say that no. wasn't a, le- a legit criticism, but... Like I said, the narrative kind of changed a little bit this year. Some people grow into jobs, uh, you know, and if Beaver wants to keep it, Beaver wants to keep it. I'm, I'm also I'm going to end up with this. We'll get to our final break. Again, oh, yeah. Shane Beamer is not going to be like other coaches that have been here. He, he is going to err on the side of sticking with his guys and consistency. Um, and, look, I've seen some coaches get in trouble for that, but I've also seen a lot of coaches that they do it and all of a sudden, you're sitting in year five and six, and you're rolling, and your entire staff's full of rock stars. 
And and right. maybe in year two, you thought this guy sucked or that guy sucked. And there's so much information out there. And assistant coaches are under such a bigger spotlight than they used to be um, yeah. that I get it. But, uh, you know, we'll see kind of we'll see kind of how it goes. I mean, I, I, I know that some had dreams of, you know, another running backs coach and bringing another running back in or whatever. But I just, uh, uh, after checking on that inside, it was everybody – Inside the program, it was like it's never going to happen. It was a pipe dream, whatever. We 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 didn't think about it. So that's just kind of how it went. All right, final break. Inside the Gamecast show to wrap it up on a Wednesday after those messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. I've been expecting you, Mr. Powers. Sometime in the near future, there's a good chance I'll move back to my home area of the upstate of South Carolina. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's nobody I would use to help me find a new home except Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane, located in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a diehard Gamecock. 864-414-5271. Give Cindy a call. 864-414-5271. A proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, Mo Kaba here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give them a call to talk about a potential backyard retreat for you. They cover all, both of the Carolinas, all the Carolinas. How many Carolinas are there? There's only two. So they'll get you in North and South Carolina. Just get in touch with John Barber, 803-446-4662. He will direct you in the right, to the right place if you were outside of the Columbia area. Um, you know, I was thinking, well, yeah, we're having that conversation about Hardesty, I guess, specifically. And, you know, it's like a, a guy that, you know, is on the fringe or whatever, uh, as to whether or not you want to keep him. Obviously, fans have their own opinions. But, you know, I think it from the player player perspective, guys, like this, the, the, the landscape of college football right now is the most chaotic it has ever been. I mean, it, it you, you yeah. can't say that it isn't. And I think that Shane Beamer's approach and 
the emphasis that I, I feel like he places on loyalty and consistency can offer a lot, not just to the recruits themselves, but to their families, which we all know, you know, goes a long way. Uh, the way that they go to recruit with an area recruiter. And then of course, you know, it's the team effort. Um, I think allows you and facilitates you to have a better hit percentage on recruits that are outside of your immediate footprint because there is some consistency. They don't show up here to, you know, the university on an official visit and only know one guy, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. three or four, your family knows three or four, just the way they do it. And as chaotic as life is, when you're 16, 17, 18 years old and being drafted, you know, not drafted, but recruited by these big time programs to come play there, um, seeing a familiar face, especially as we move deeper into the Beamer era where, you know, some of these kids that are, you know, freshmen in high school now are going to see these recruiters walk into their school, you know, and they're going to see the same guy walk into their school for three yep. years, for four years. And it's like, wow, that's, I think that, I think that kind of is something that goes under the radar that doesn't get talked a lot, but that ultimately will pay huge dividends moving down the road. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Recruiting is about relationships. And, and, mm-hmm. and obviously the, the more consistent you are with like things like showing up, uh, yeah, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the more you can build relationships. And, and, and in these days too, you got to get in on them early. Uh, I have my thoughts about things like ranking kids too early, but recruiting guys you like early, fair game. And so you're right, Phil, you know, the, the more consistency you have, uh, you know, with, with being around and, and you're there for multiple years, this guy remembers you when you were a freshman. So there's trust that gets built. And you also brought up a good point about outside the footprint, Phil, you know, South Carolina uh, in the modern era of recruiting, you know, Holt Spurrier, Muschamp, primarily forced a four state recruiting team. You know, it, it, they'd go to other States and get guys every now and then, but it was, it was somewhat rare. This staff is, has has not only, you know, and they don't just like one year Spurrier got four guys out of Alabama. And he's like, well, that's just the way it happened. And then they got nobody else for a while, you know, until they got Taylor Stallworth. And and the best the best name change ever, Jalen Dredd. Dredd. Uh, remember that guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it hit or miss in the Northeast, whatever. But, you know, th- these guys year after year after year, you know, last year, Pennsylvania kids uh, came in. This year, Maryland and D.C., uh, last year, Delaware, you know, those types of things. They get guys out of Texas. Um, Mississippi. Mississippi. Uh, that's uh, – and that's happening. And, and, and I don't think that – I think if you want that to not only continue, like like you mentioned, Phil, but build, then it's a uh, it's a good thing to remain consistent. Um, you know, now, now and there's a difference between, you know, you need to get rid of a guy because he's just dead weight and, you know, can't coach a lick and can't recruit. Oh, yeah. That's not what I'm saying, but, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, with, with Beamer, I don't think anybody's not pulling their weight right uh, for the most part. Uh, and I think it's going to take a – I absolutely have to make this because he, he would rather err on the side of consistency. Uh, and, Phil, I think you nailed that point as to why. You know, it, it gets back to recruiting uh, and, and all of that good stuff and, and the consistency needed – 
to build the relationships you need to recruit at a high level. Well, and it's an important time too, guys, because there there is a there's a chink in the armor in the upstate right now. You know, for the first time in a while, this door is wedged open to kind of reclaim yourself in the state of South Carolina, which they have been doing over the in last year. I mean, Will signed guys in South Carolina, no doubt. I mean, he signed a bunch of talented guys in the state of South Carolina. No question about that. Carolina, generally, in order to be really good and be better than, than the team in the upstate, you almost have to sign every one of them. And that's what happened under Steve. I mean, that's what they did. They, they signed them all. And, and, and that's kind of back where they are again. They're, they're signing them all again. And so, you know, you, you, can't, you can't play the revolving door thing right now. Um, now it's not at, at the expense of your program. If you feel like you've got the right guy in place, you know, and maybe you just need to make an adjustment or two with him to make him better in whatever area that is, uh, then you do it. And, and, but, you, but you keep the train on the tracks because you've got a chance right now to, to I we asked Brad Crawford yesterday, right, Phil? Mm-hmm. How close? Yep. In your opinion, you you follow all the national stuff. How close is it? Carolina just beat him finally, and he said, "I think it's pretty close." All right, so and and he's not the only one. There's there's a lot of people out there that tend to agree with that. Like Clemson, they they at least right now don't show that they were are what they were. Carolina is showing that they 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 could be kind of back in the saddle a little bit. And so you, you're going to want to keep that consistent. You got a national champion back to back next to you. You know you can't. I mean, you're not falling behind. You're you're always going to be playing catch up over there. You know you don't know what's going to happen in North Carolina. Mac Brown is not going to be there much longer, guys. It's it's not going to happen. Okay, and you want to make sure that you're able to take you know stay on top of that. So for the immediate area that they recruit in, right now, if you can win and you feel like you got a guy who's good enough, and you just got to kind of get him through some things. To your point, both of you. Keep it consistent and and rewrap your arms around this state. They're doing it. Yeah, and then and they're not only getting guys that are the highly rated, but they're getting they're finding guys like Evan Warray and DQ Smith. That's half the battle in South Carolina, and and you see it sometimes when guys you know, leave the state that don't have offers from Clemson and USC that end up uh, going somewhere else and being all conference or in the NFL and and all that, you know. And I, I'll say this about you know, South Carolina too. I, I think that in, in Georgia's a really important state for the Gamecocks, right? Uh, it's always going to be, you, you think about two of the best players in program history are who George Rogers and Sterling Sharp. Let's throw Connor Shaw in there too. They're all from Georgia. <laughs> um, there are so many players in that state and there's probably twice as many as there used to be down there just because of the growth in Atlanta, the high school, the investment in high school football in that state. Um, but you got to take the right guys because you can get in trouble down there taking an overrated kid in the heartbeat. And, you know, Carolina's not going to go head-to-head um, and beat Georgia on most players right now. But the Auburns, the Floridas, even Clemson, you know, had a uh, – Jalon Kilgore had an offer from them. Uh, your Oklahoma's, Tennessee, uh, schools like that. You know, the guys Kentucky gets – you know, South Carolina, what, six prospects in the top 40 that were four stars or higher from the state of Georgia. Um, and that's called getting your share. And so you start you start analyzing it and you go, well, good. They're getting the right guy. They're, they're getting those right there guys, those J.C. Horn level prospects. Well, those J.C. Horn level prospects at times turn into top 10 draft picks, right? Because yeah. it's just mm-hmm. Georgia can't take everybody. You hear that all the time. It's absolutely true. 
Um, you look at the NFL draft every year, there's six guys that go first two rounds from the state of Georgia. Only two of them play for the dogs, you know, and, and it's just that good of a state. So, so you got that there. Uh, I think North Carolina is going to be a workaround for a while. Uh, not, you know, not just until Mac Brown leaves. I think there is a trend in that state where guys are either staying at home, going to NC state or UNC definitely, or they're definitely going to the biggest brand they can. Even Clemson's having trouble signing guys out of North Carolina now. Yeah. Okay. And that's just, that's just how that state goes sometimes. So that's two getting dogs out of Florida, like Anthony Rose and, and K1 banks and stuff. Perfect. So, so then where do you go to kind of fill out the elite portion of your class? Well, hey, DMV starting to work that way. So I, I, you know, I, I agree. I, I think there's a lot process-wise when you look at who they're signing and where they're signing them from that makes total sense. And then your last three or four guys' uh, spots, um, not out of the portal, Two may go to Texas. Uh, two, two may go to Texas kids in the year you get to. The next year it may be two from Alabama. The next year it may be Mississippi or Tennessee or Virginia or something like that. And so I, I just really like the plan and and the the, the way they're doing it, working north south and then finding the right guys out of some of these talent pockets that they have to because that's the way yeah. it's been done before. And that's the way it's going to have to be moving forward, you know, well, is, is getting getting those right guys out of those key states. Well, and, I, and I'll add this, and I know, I know we got to go, but I'll add, I'll add this, JC. You mentioned kind of the last three or four, and I don't want this to come across as like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're the last three kids we signed, so y'all aren't really that good. But, but you, we're talking about the dudes. Like, where are you finding your dudes, right, that everybody knows yeah. about, that people are going to be recruiting? Yeah. Well, when you talk about the last three or four, or maybe even more like the last one or two, you know, one of the big things inside that building up there, and it is a damn good thing. We've already seen it work for South Carolina, and it's going to about to work again once they kick off spring practice and people start to kind of hear it, is they, they will find the diamonds in the rough in this state that, that, that kind of mesh this thing together. You know, they will find the kids who we're not – we're not really looking – there's no pressure. We're not looking for this kid to come right in and be, you know, some big superstar – you know, this is a kid who is going to be really good for our program in two or three years. And if you get really lucky, you hit on them. Well, they got really lucky because they hit on them with DQ Smith and Nicky Memori, and they're about to hit on a couple of others. And they've hit on a couple of others. We just haven't seen them play yet, like Kyler Corton, for instance. So, um, you know, that that's part of this equation as well is do we go take a kid who is probably in the same ballpark as a – as a Eamon Warrior or DQ Smith, but, you know, out of Texas being recruited by, you know, Baylor and Houston and whoever? Or do we take that kid right here who's being recruited by App State and East Carolina and South Carolina and whatever it is and, and make him proud to play for his home state Gamecocks? Um, and that's been a that's been a neat neat part to watch as well, and hopefully that, that continues to stay on like that. And Josh Simon from Dalzell coming in as a tight end, and uh, Dalzell, Mario, Dalzell, Mario Anderson, who, who we've all uh, talked about yeah. here from Stratford. Yeah. Two guys from the portal coming in. All right, we got to wrap it up, Phil. Any final words? No. Welcome I'm back. Happy, any happy to any have famous you back. last words? Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, J- Jer- Jeremy did say after McLeod committed, I'd give a rundown of his recruitment because it was a roller coaster. Oh, I, I meant to say it was a roller coaster Here. for you guys, but on Xavier McLeod, he committed the day after the Georgia National Championship celebration that he visited in Athens. 
Uh, he was the first welcome home. Remember the first welcome home? I was like, I don't know who it is. Well, it was Xavier McLeod. Yeah. Never wavered. <laughs> uh, put a lot of scared everybody on social media to death. I mean, they were talking about visiting Miami or Florida right before signing day, and he was the first one that signed. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, it's been kind of an interesting know, thing man. there, but that's my run down yeah. there. And yes, I think Jeff Coat is nastier than Birch right now. Will he end up being as good next year? I don't know, but I think he is nastier uh, if that's uh, if that's a category you value, and it certainly is one that I do at defensive end. All right, from Phil Mullinax, Jamie Bradford, J.C. Sherbert, wrapping it up here on the show. Great to be back. I have a feeling tomorrow is going to be a special episode. Really good. Uh, and we'll talk to you then. Uh, be sure to check this out on podcast format, too, if you're missing it, because that'll return today as well. See you guys later. See you.